At this time, if you would take your Bible and <clears throat> open it to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> We continue our study through this gospel and we come to the seventh chapter this morning. We're going to be looking at the first 23 verses. I'd like to read the first eight as we start. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Let's pray. Father, uh, today we look at the words of Jesus, words that he spoke, words that came from his mouth with all the authority of heaven. Father, may we have ears to hear. Help us to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If if you're a person who has seen the movie production of the Fiddler on the Roof, you know that the production begins with the song Tradition. And uh, just a few words from that song, Tradition. It says, because of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. We have traditions for everything, how to eat, how to sleep, even how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. You may ask, how did this tradition start? I'll tell you, I don't know. But it's a tradition. And then the last line of the song goes like this. Tradition. Without our traditions, our lives would be as shaky as as a fiddler on the roof. The Jewish people have always found tradition 
to be important. As pretty much do all people. I would say there are very few people that don't have traditions and don't view tradition as important. In the Jewish Mishnah, you have a statement, and it's recorded for you on your sheet. It says, tradition is a fence around the law. Tradition is a fence around the law. Now, the law that the Mishnah is talking about would be God's law, the written law, recorded in the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the law that God laid down. The traditions would be what was called the oral law. Over 600 rules and laws made by the rabbis over the centuries. And what the Mishnah is saying is that those 600 plus laws made by the rabbis, the oral law, were the traditions that formed the fence around God's written law. And what they mean by the traditions being a fence around the law is that their traditions protected the law of God as if it needed protection. But their traditions protected God's law and then assisted his people in knowing how to live out those laws. It was kind of the how-to for the Jewish people. How to, in detail, extreme detail, how to live out God's written law. And so the traditions were called the fence around the law. In our chapter here, Mark does something that again shows us who his original audience probably was, that he's thinking of presenting Jesus to the Roman person. Because in chapter 7 here, he takes time in a couple places to give an explanation to the reader that wouldn't need to be given if this book was meant for Jewish people. But apparently Mark feels his readers need explanation. For instance, we didn't read it. We'll look at it in just a minute. But if you go down to verse 11, your Bibles might have the word Corban, C-O-R-B-A-N, Corban. And you'll notice that when that word is brought up, in a lot of Bibles, there's a parenthesis where Mark adds, that is a gift devoted to God. You see, if you're a Roman person, like basically we are, we're Western, we would have no clue what Corban is. Any Jewish person reading that would know. And so Mark helps out the reader. And he says, Corban means a gift devoted to God. 
you would declare something Corban. And when you declare that Corban, you are declaring it set aside to be given to God. And we'll see how that fits uh, when we get to that passage. The other thing Mark does to help explain to the Roman person who doesn't know Jewish tradition is he explains, starting in verse 3, your Bible might have that in parenthesis. He has said that the Pharisees have come up with this idea of washing hands and cleaning hands and unclean hands and eating food in connection with that. And so he stops to give the Roman, even us, an explanation. In verse 3, he says, The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they've been in the marketplace, they come home to eat, they have to go through this ceremonial washing. And notice, it's not just your typical hygiene. It's not just kids, go wash your hands before supper type thing. That's not what he's talking about. This tradition among the Jews was a ceremonial washing before eating. It was linked with spirituality. It was linked with keeping from defiling yourself spiritually, harming yourself spiritually. Because they felt that uh, your hands would be unclean as you come to the meal. And if you did not wash your hands, if you didn't go through this special ceremonial washing, then you would begin to handle food with unclean hands. And then with unclean hands, you are putting that food into your body. And the food that has now become unclean will defile you, not just physically, it will defile you spiritually. It will hinder you in your walk with God. In the Old Testament, in God's written law, there was ceremonial hand washing. But it was meant for just the priests. They were to, according to God, in the tabernacle or temple, before they did their work, which called for handling these different sacred items in the tabernacle or temple, they were to go through a ceremonial washing of their hands so that they could handle these sacred, holy items. But 200 years before Christ came, the rabbis decided to broaden that from the priests in their work to all Jews. And so the rabbis decided that every Jew, before they ate, had to go through this ceremonial washing. Thus, we come to Jesus being here And that is why the Pharisees at this point even bring this issue up. It's the issue of ceremonial washing. Let me uh, illustrate it. We're not talking about going to a sink, turning the water on and, and quickly washing your hands and drying them and getting to the table. We're talking about a ceremony every time before you eat. So Janine's going to come up here and help me. she's going to be my friend or my host or whatever it might have been. But uh, the ceremonial washing before eating went like this. You would would hold your hands, palm up, fingertips up, okay? And someone would pour 
water in the palm of one hand. And by the way, it had to be a certain amount, half an eggshell of water. They didn't use eggshells, but that was the amount, whatever fit in half an eggshell. And so uh, the helper would pour that water in the palm. And then with the other fist, person would wash that hand. Then in the other. And with the other fist, wash that hand. But by doing this, your fist is becoming unclean, the back of your hand, because you're wiping off what defiles. So then the next steps were to turn over your hands, fingertips down, and the person would pour the water over the top of the hand, over each hand, and then you would wipe your hands. And now your hands are clean. They are pure. And you can handle the food, and when it goes down, it will not defile you. It will not hinder you spiritually. And you will have pleased God once again by going through the ceremonial washing. And this is what the Pharisees are bringing up at this point. Notice in uh, verse 1, they have come from Jerusalem. They've made the trip up from Jerusalem. And they find Jesus. And what they notice is that when Jesus' disciples eat anything, they're not taking the time to go through this ceremonial washing, which every Jew is to practice. It's tradition. It has been for 200 years up to that point. But Jesus' disciples aren't doing that. And so in the passage we're going to look at, we're going to see Jesus speaking some strong words to three groups. Starting in verse 1, he's going to speak strong words to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. When we get to verse 14... Jesus is going to call the crowd to come nearer to him. They probably have been standing around, but now he wants them to come closer. And he is going to summarize in a statement for the crowd what he was trying to say to the Pharisees. And then when we come to verse 17, Jesus and his disciples move into a house and it's just them. And at that point, Jesus is going to speak words to the disciples that bring everything he's been talking about to the Pharisees, to the crowd. He's going to bring it right down to specifics for the disciples. So that's how we'll we'll follow that. So let's start with the strong words, first 13 verses, to these religious leaders. So they have come. From Jerusalem, they've heard what Jesus is doing up there in Galilee, which means they've heard about his teaching, some of the claims he's been making about the kingdom of God, about himself, about this new way, this new teaching that he has. They've also, I'm sure, heard about the healings, how so many people were being healed. They probably heard about a few being raised from the dead, 
I'm sure they had heard about people being freed from demonic control up there in Galilee. And so they've come. But the interesting thing to me is these intelligent men, these spiritual leaders, so-called, they come to Jesus and you would think they would want to talk to him or at least even challenge him about things he's teaching. Maybe get into a back and forth, even if they don't believe what he's teaching, to interact with him and debate with him about his teaching. That would be important. Or maybe they would want to come and talk to him about the healings and question him. How is this happening? Why are you doing this? I mean, they had heard so much. But they come up there. And what's their issue? Washing hands. That's their issue. I don't know about you. That sounds nitpicky to me. When there were a lot of bigger issues going on, that in their role as spiritual leaders, you would think they would have addressed. But instead, it's washing hands. And so they criticize Jesus. Notice in uh, verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Notice, the tradition of the elders. Instead of eating their food with unclean hands. So what they're suggesting is that the disciples are defiling themselves. They are harming themselves spiritually. They are violating the tradition of the elders. And to them, that was sin. As much as violating the written law of God in the books of Moses. And so they bring this up. They criticize Jesus for letting his disciples get away with this. It's about tradition. Jesus responds, and it's very strong. I'm sure you noticed that when I read. Some people might think, oh, my Jesus would never say anything like this. Well, your Jesus said something like this. He replied, verse 6, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. Religious leaders. He calls them hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It was the Greek word for actor. It's someone who plays a role. It's someone who puts themselves into a role that's not really them. That's what an actor does, right? That was the word, hypocrite. And so what he's saying to them is, you're a bunch of actors. You're not real. You're just playing a role. You're just going through the motions. You're hypocrites, like Isaiah said. And he quotes Isaiah 29:13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So his strong words are saying to the Pharisees, you are hypocrites. You honor me with your lips. You say the right things. But your heart is far from me. 
What's coming out of your lips is not about a heart for God. Your heart and your lips are going two different directions. The outside is one thing. The inside is another. Therefore, you are hypocrites. You're pretending on the outside to be something you're not on the inside. Pretty harsh, isn't it? And he says, because of that, all these motions you're going through of worship are in vain. They don't mean a thing. And the issue here is their traditions. He calls them rules taught by men. In verse 8, he says, you've let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to the traditions of men. Notice verse 9. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Verse 13. Thus you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. Notice three times you have statements that basically point to man-made traditions versus the word of God. And he's very clear about what the Pharisees have done with those two things. They've let go of the commands of God and held on to their man-made traditions. They've set aside the commands of God in order to observe their own man-made traditions. And verse 13, they've nullified the word of God. by handing down their traditions and focusing on them. And so there's, there's two things in the strong words to the Pharisees who have brought up this tradition and criticized Jesus and his disciples. The first thing is lips versus heart. You say the right things with your lips, but your heart isn't in it. So by saying that, Which of the two did Jesus say was most important? The heart. And then he says, you've taken your traditions. Traditions that maybe at the beginning were just meant to help people know how to apply God's law. But you've allowed them to become more important than God's word. Maybe at first they were just to help out following God's word, ways to do that. But he says, now they have become more important than God's word. You've nullified God's word for the sake of your traditions. You've set aside God's word to hold to your traditions. Now your traditions have been placed above God's word, your man-made traditions. And he gives an example And that's where this Corbin comes up. Starting in uh, verse 10. Here's an example of what they've done. He says, For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. That was in God's law. Verse 11. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin. So they've given the people, by their oral law, 
their tradition, a loophole concerning helping out their parents. They've said, if you choose not to help your parents, just tell them that what you would have used to help them, you have declared as Corbin. It's devoted to God. I'm saving it for God. And then you don't have to help your parents. And so that tradition, that teaching of man, had given the Jews a loophole if they didn't want to help out their parents and obey God's law. And he says at the end, you do many things like this. This is one example. All these man-made traditions, these man-made rules. Then what Jesus does, and I'm sure the Pharisees are standing there quite stunned, um, quite upset. I mean, nobody talks to a Pharisee like that. Probably hadn't been called hypocrites in public before. And so they're probably stunned. But now Jesus, in verse 14, calls the crowd to come closer. He wants to say, he has a word for the crowd, who probably have been hearing this, but now he wants them to come closer. And in verse 14, it says, Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand. And then he just summarizes everything he just said to the Pharisees. He summarizes it in one statement for the crowd so they understand his point. And he says it this way in verse 15. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And the idea is defiling him spiritually. So how is, how is Jesus summarizing this? Well, he's taking up on the, the criticism, the particular tradition, <coughs> tradition, and he says to the people, here's, here's the big point I'm making. Nothing on the outside, and in this case, it would be unclean food that's been handled by hands that haven't gone through the ceremonial washing, therefore, that food is unclean. And they believed it then would go into your body and it would hinder you spiritually because you didn't follow the rule. And so what Jesus sums up here is nothing outside there. Nothing like hands that have been unwashed, touching food, making the food unclean that comes into your body. That doesn't hurt you spiritually. That doesn't hinder you spiritually. He says, what hinders you spiritually, what defiles you spiritually, is what comes out of you from the inside. It's not what you put in. It's what comes out. That's the issue. And that's all he says to the crowd. The next verse says, he and the disciples go to a house and it's just them. So let's look at that. <clears throat> Verse 17. And he left the crowd, entered the house. His disciples asked him. And notice, they ask him about this parable. 
Now, I'm going to take a leap here and share an opinion. There was no parable. Jesus just made a statement to the crowd, right? Does that sound like a story? Does that sound like a parable? Let me suggest this. Based on what Jesus is going to say, it's easy to call something a parable if you don't understand it. Because it excuses you from understanding it. And so the disciples say, tell us about this parable. And it's like, that was a parable? That was a forthright statement. And that's probably why Jesus responds the way he does. He says in verse 18, are you so dull? This is quite a day for Jesus. He's called religious leaders hypocrites. And now he's calling his main followers dull. He says, are you so dull? Don't you see? And he has to repeat the summary. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean, spiritually defiled? For it doesn't go into his heart. You eat that food, no matter what condition that food is in. It doesn't go into your heart. It goes into your stomach. We all know that. And then it goes out of the body, and we all know that. And then there's an interesting parenthesis that Mark adds. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Do with that as you choose. Let's go on. Verse 20, he is going to give the disciples more information, get more detailed on what he meant by what he was saying to the Pharisees, by what he said in that summary statement to the crowd. He's going to go into detail and explain clearly to the disciples what he's been trying to say. So verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a man. For from within, out of men's hearts, the inner person, the heart is the inner person. It's, it's the thoughts, it's the emotions, it's the desires, it's the motives, it's the affections, it's the inner person. And Jesus says to them, what I'm trying to say is that it's what comes out of the heart. It's what comes out of the inner person part of you that defiles and hinders you spiritually. For from within, out of men's hearts come. And then he has a whole list of things that come from the heart, that come from the inside out. Out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, Deceit, lewdness, that's unrestrained lust, obscenity, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Folly means no sense, no sense of right and wrong, just whatever. 
And he says, all these evils come from inside, not outside. They come from inside and make a man unclean, defile him, harm him spiritually. All these things, he says, come from inside, from the heart. That's the issue. It's not outward things. It's not the food you eat that has been handled by hands that didn't go through the ceremonial washing. That's not what hinders you spiritually and harms you. It's what's in your heart that comes out. That's what harms you spiritually. And that's his point. And so he's following the same thought all the way through. He was telling the Pharisees, you're just putting on a show on the outside with all this tradition stuff. Your heart isn't in it. There's something going on with your heart. He wraps it up with the crowd just saying, this is what I mean. This outside stuff, these traditions, all this ceremony, not doing it isn't what hinders you spiritually and defiles you. And to the disciples, he gets specific. It's what's in your heart. It's what's inside of you. And he lists those things. Those are the things that defile you spiritually. And I think as we go through that list, it's a no-brainer, right? Everyone on that list, we can see hindering somebody spiritually, defiling someone's spiritual walk with God. Every one of those on the list, we can see that. The thing we have to understand is they come from within. They come from within. So from what Jesus says to the Pharisees, is there anything there that we can take and and really consider for ourselves? I think there is. I mean, there's still traditions today, right? Um, most of us would know of certain traditions, man-made traditions, that people have taken and they put it above the Word of God. And they've claimed that if you don't follow those man-made traditions, you're going to harm yourself spiritually. God's not going to be pleased. You'll be sinning. And yet they're just man-made traditions. I mean, that's still today, right? And so we have to be careful. One author says, there's a Pharisee hiding in each one of us. You think there's a Pharisee hiding somewhere in you? That you have the potential to put man-made traditions ahead of God's Word? To focus more on man-made traditions than what God says? I think there is something that we can think seriously about in reference to what Jesus says to the Pharisees. And I think there's a lot we can think seriously about concerning what he specifically laid out to his disciples. This idea that all of these evil things come from the heart, come from inside of us. And that's what harms us spiritually. That's what defiles us. In James chapter 1, <clears throat> James is talking about temptation. 
and where temptation comes from. And he makes it clear it doesn't come from God. God doesn't tempt you to do evil. In verse 14 of James 1, he says, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. Where are our desires? Inside, right? He says, when your evil desires inside are lured by the temptation coming and you give in to it, that's when you sin. But you see, it's, it's something inside of you that's being lured and drawn toward evil that's responding. And in Galatians chapter 5, you know, some people might say, well, he's just talking about unbelievers here. That's what their hearts are like. But in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul says we need to walk by the Spirit and we need to be filled with the Spirit and we need to be led by the Spirit. And he talks about if you're not, then these deeds of the flesh that he lists, which is similar to the list here in Mark, will become part of what's coming out of your life. So he says, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and what he calls the fruit of the Spirit will be coming out and be developed in you. There he's talking to believers. And so I think we need to consider what Jesus is saying seriously. I'll wrap it up with two things. One thing that is a very common tradition among Christians. And it's been a tradition since the garden. And that tradition is called blame. We have a tradition of blaming. And it's so easy to blame things going on in our life on something outside of us, right? Just like Adam and Eve did. And mankind has been following that tradition ever since. We blame. And it's always got to be something outside of us. We blame somebody. We blame a situation. We blame the past. Because we do not want to focus on what Jesus said here. The stuff that defiles us, comes from within. There's something going on inside. There's a heart issue. You see, you look at this list of evil things that Jesus went through. They're all around us, right? I mean, we see that every day. That's all around us. There are people around us who live those things. Our culture lives those things. But if we get involved in those things and it defiles us and harms us spiritually, they're not to blame. Jesus says those things on that list come from the heart. They come out from here. So what do we have to do, friends? We've got to take care of our heart. Stop focusing on the traditions. Stop giving all our attention to outside stuff. Let's take care of our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, 
our affections, our motives. Because that's where the stuff that defiles us comes from. We've got to take care of our hearts. And so you have in a box there on your, on your sheet, and you can look at these yourself, <clears throat> ways that we can take care of our hearts. First, surrender your heart to the Lord. That's a good place to start. Surrender yourself to Him. Solomon says, guard your heart. Guard it. Ask God to guard it. It's that important. Because everything springs from your heart and the condition of your insides. Humble your heart. Ask God to sensitize your heart. When David was confessing and repenting of his sin, he talks about how what God wants is a contrite heart, a humble spirit. We need to humble our hearts. Ask God to make our hearts sensitive so that when these kinds of things that Jesus lists even start to appear in a small way, we're so sensitive to it that we'll address it right away. Humble hearts, sensitive hearts. We need to focus our hearts. Colossians 3, Paul says, set your hearts on things above. Learn how to focus your heart. The Pharisees focused their hearts on traditions and rules. And they let their hearts go to pot, really. Focus your heart on things above. Feed your heart. Jesus asked the Father to sanctify his followers. How? By your word. Your word is truth. Sanctify their hearts. Purify their hearts. Set apart their hearts by your word. Friends, we've got to feed our hearts with the truth. Not with traditions, but with the truth from God's word. We need to exercise our hearts. Back to Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit. Get a walking program going. To exercise your heart. Walk by the Spirit. Toward the end of that chapter, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit walks faster than you do. My wife walks faster than me. It's hard to keep in step with her. Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. Exercise your heart. It'll strengthen your heart. It'll strengthen you inside spiritually. It'll make you healthy inside. Spiritually, take care of your heart. Don't let anything like traditions that are man-made take the place of God's word and take care of your heart. Because that's the issue. The condition of our heart. So. If Tevi had heard this message, he may have changed the last line of the song. And it would have read this way. The Word of God and taking care of our hearts, without it, our lives would be a shaky as as a fiddler on the roof. Traditions will not 
make you steadfast and firm. But the word of God and taking care of your heart will. Let's pray. Our Father, we acknowledge to you we are so prone to allow ourselves to stray from what your word teaches us. We're so prone to get excited about man-made traditions. Father, we know they're, they're good traditions, no problem. But Father, we're sorry that we take those and we make them even more important than your word. And Father, just help us to stop blaming and to take care of our own hearts and to live a life that will cause our minds and our emotions and our desires and our affections and our motives to line up with your word and give us strong, healthy hearts for you. In Jesus' name, amen.